Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Adam, and today I'm joined by Jason Berryhill. Jason is the co-founder and partner at Invisible, a company working to enable supply chain visibility in global food systems, but he is also co-founder and partner at Wholechain, a blockchain-based traceability solution built to enable trust, coordination, and transparency in fragmented supply chains. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me. What does any of that mean? We'll get into it. Uh, so today what we're discussing, first, hold on, let me back up. Uh, we are in Jason's home. And so we are once again on location uh, with the podcast. We did this uh, the, on the last episode. And so thank you for your hospitality, first and foremost. Of course. Thank and, you. And thank you to Ashley, who's also in the room for her hospitality. Um, so today on the podcast, we are discussing the connection between anti-trafficking advocacy and how you can be a more informed buyer of really everyday products uh, that you might be purchasing for your life. But before we do that, as usual, let's introduce you, Jason, a little bit better to the audience. Tell us about your time um, overseas and then you know how that led you into the work that you do today. Sure. Yeah. So um, thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, just to give a quick background on myself, my wife and I, we previously lived in Indonesia for about five years. Yeah. Um, we, I worked for a large telco there. It was like the AT&T of Indonesia. Okay. Previous to that, I had been in the mobile industry. Uh, I had had some experiences that I didn't realize at the time, but they were perfectly equipping me for what I do now Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of just um, understanding how I can deliver solutions to these first-mile, really challenging supply chains. But back in 2014, um, the U.S. government, the U.S. Department of State, did a project uh, with the government of Indonesia, mm. and this was uh, led by Secretary of State Kerry, um, and it was to capture data from small-scale fishers in Indonesia okay. in a way of enabling greater traceability uh, for different environmental and social objectives. And so um, the telco I was working for at the time, it's called Excel Asiata, and that was um, a part of it. And so that's actually where I met my co-founder, mm. Uh, Mark Kaplan, who had worked in, um, he'd worked for Coca-Cola and some other large brands. They had found him, and so we met on that project, and we worked together. The State Department had found him. The to State help Department work on found this. him first. Okay, and okay. then he and I met in yeah. Indonesia, doing the work, just doing the work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting project. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, lots of interesting stories there. I'm but, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so after that point, uh, he worked for Unilever for a couple of years, okay. and I worked externally, but we worked together on similar problems of capturing data from those challenging first mile supply chains, things like palm oil, coconut sugar. Mm. Uh, we were involved in creating solutions for capturing data for those supply chains. So then, uh, based upon the things that we'd learned, we co founded our companies in 2018 right. at the very end. 
Um, and it started as just one, but basically we... Let me, let me ask a question, a sure. clarifying question first. What do you mean by first mile? You've used that phrase twice now. Yeah, yeah, what does totally. that mean? So yeah. first mile is, you know, when you think like first mile, last mile, okay. in a supply chain context, first mile is that very first, it can be the farm or okay. the boat or wherever the first point of contact is that that product, gotcha. you know, kind of enters the world. Okay. And in some cases, the first mile is beyond the first mile. So you might have a shrimp farm hmm. in... India, but then before that, you've got a feed source, ah. and then you've got the the larvae that come from a certain location, and you want to trace those as well to make sure what's going on in that supply chain. Wow! So yeah. first mile can just keep going up yeah, and up yeah. and up when it comes to uh, different raw materials. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. So tell us. So tell us more yeah. about the companies in particular. So what is what is Invisible and what is Whole Chain? Like, what do they do, and why are there two companies? Yeah. I'm sure you'll get into that. No. Well, so. Um, our companies, we, we started them basically in tandem. So with Invisible, all we do is we work in food systems because okay. there's very large problems there. We actually work in uh, procurement for uh, the largest grocery co-op in the U.S. Oh, wow. Um, and we, we procure the seafood for that. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we really focus on uh, food systems and proteins, whereas whole chain is commodity agnostic. It can work across different okay. commodities. doesn't have to be food. can be just about anything. Um, we started them together because um, in sort of Silicon Valley parlance, we're, we're uh, eating our own dog food. Okay. You know, we're, <laughs> so we're, um, we're, we're building a solution as a user. Okay. Right. All right. So, all so right. in the invisible context, we are using whole chain, oh. and and so there are people on my team that they don't they're not involved in the building, uh, because they're using it as a user, and so they feel the pain, gotcha. the pain points that users will feel at different times. So okay. we we kind of uh, we we put together that perspective so that we can understand the various problems. Brilliant. And so on the other side of that, we're working with all types of different companies, including our own. Right. Um, uh, so it's almost like we were our first customer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so with whole chain. What you're talking about is more specifically, like it's a technology of some kind. Correct. Like it is a, it's a web-based technology or like how That's does right. it, I mean, we're probably not all going to nerd out on exactly what you've built, but uh, yeah. put a little bit more meat on the bones there. Yeah, sure. So it is, it's web-based. Um, it's a software as a service, just like you'd imagine other kind of systems like a QuickBooks. Yeah, yeah. But we also log information on a blockchain. Uh, we actually log on two different blockchains, and one is the Mastercard blockchain. Okay. Um, wow. So that it, you have a an immutable, referenceable record of different points in the supply chain of data that's been captured. Right. So how do you know where the larva comes from? How do you know where the feed store is? Well, like, you pay attention, right? Okay, I mean, you trace okay. it. And, and okay. so um, it's, it's really about, um, it's a number of different things. So, okay. so it's, it's tracing uh, the information that leads to a product. Um, and so, but just tracing that, that information, just getting that information from different suppliers, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't verify that information on its own, mm. right? And so you've got to do different points of verification. So, uh, you know, one thing that we're doing right now, as an example, we're, we're, we're doing a uh, pilot for uh, satellite monitoring of uh, shrimp supply chains to wow. where you can see uh, basically with that, how big are the ponds, how often do their aerators come on so you can know what is the exact production wow. of that shrimp pond. Wow. And then you know exactly what's going through the you should know how many shrimp are coming out. Right, of the exactly. Pond. We count them one by one. Oh, yeah. like, is, is, that, is that 57 or 56? That's why you're so busy yeah, all the so, time. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, but also, just by collecting more information, yeah. it makes it harder to 
if, if there is fraudulent information that's coming your way, it makes it harder for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. But just yeah. by collecting more. I mean, it's like, for example, if I were to say, uh, "What'd you do last night?" Right. And you say, "Yeah, I was at home, you know, watching TV." Right. And if, but if instead I say, "What'd you do last night? Who were you with? What color shirt were you wearing? What were you watching?" Da da da. And it's yeah, like yeah, you finally yeah. go. Oh, gosh, I was at the Taylor Swift concert and I give right. up. You had to ask. Well, you know, you know I mean? We do love Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, no, I get it though. The more information yeah. you ask and the more things that tie to referenceable documents, right. uh, you can now all of a sudden get very high levels of assurance gotcha. in those supply chains in addition to other things that we're doing that, that make it unmatched assurance. You, yeah. know, you can do things like DNA and others. And that's the traceability. Like That's what you're doing. That's Correct. the tracing. Um, so how... Just to kind of tie it to our work, right? So how big of an issue is trafficking in global supply chains, national supply chains, whatever it looks like? Um, and obviously the work Elijah Rising does, like we spo- we focus our our programming, our programmed work and uh, on specifically the issue of sex trafficking, mm-hmm. um, which obviously we're talking more about a labor trafficking situation w- you know with your companies um, and forced labor. Uh, so maybe, maybe the first question is like, how do you think in terms of like trafficking, slavery, forced labor in those terms and like what those actually mean for traceability and supply chains? And then how big of a problem is it really? So, uh, forced labor, bonded labor, child labor, these are issues that, um, we are, that's the reason why companies are doing traceability. Yeah. I mean, that's not the sole reason. There's other, there's different environmental objectives that they okay. want to be able to meet. They want to be able to verify that um, their their product has a certain carbon footprint or whatever else. Sure. There's a number of different uh, objectives they have, as well as just knowing, you know, that, that for for example, food safety. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be able to understand more about where that product comes from. Yes, yeah, so that you can make sure it's safe, safe to eat. Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in addition to that, one of the issues, a major issue, is forced labor, bonded labor, and child labor. And yeah. so, uh, n- you really can't verify that your products didn't come from a source that has that until you know where your products come from. Sure. Um, and so, and even just certifications alone, uh, you know, cause sometimes people look to that, uh, a lot of times they're based on what's called uh, mass balance. And okay. so what that effectively says is there was a certain amount of product produced here in one part of the supply chain toward the first mile. And then much later in the supply chain, there was a certain amount of product that was sold. Yeah, but they're not connecting those two. Yeah, and so the the shirt that I'm wearing might have a certain certification on it that helps me assure. All that really means is that there was a certain amount of product mm-hmm. at a certain point in the supply chain that was produced right. that can be verified to not have. But that is those not conditions. that is not traceability from first mile to last mile and everything no. in between. It's not connecting everything yeah. in between. Yeah, and and until so we do that, you really just can't know. Yeah, and and so um, and again, some of these things, what we deal with is the convergence of technology. <laughs> that are allowing this to happen in the first place. Yeah, so it's you've got kind of a moment in mobile, time. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things that now allow us to get greater levels sure. of understanding of those supply chains. And yeah. so that's what our, our software is all yeah. about. So I guess kind of back to the question, though, like is, yeah. is, is, is the forced labor, is it a big deal? Like, are, Because it seems like it's being talked about a lot in mainstream media and things like that, that this is a big deal, but somebody who's actually working on making sure that it's not a part of supply chains... Is it is it media hype or is it real? I guess is my question. It is real. It is a big deal. 
I mean, because it's one of those things that's a big deal, even in small amounts. That, that's a great but, point, right? Even if it's one human being, it's right. still a I big mean, deal. It's, but, yeah. but it's not one human being. Yeah. And the fact is that it does happen rampantly and in certain industries more than others yeah, yeah. because certain conditions lend themselves to, you know, if there's high degrees of, for example, migrant labor within a certain country where something's being produced gotcha. um, that might lead to conditions where people are more susceptible to uh, being enslaved in some capacity right. or being forced to be... Uh, the labor for that. Right. Um, so like potentially, and I'm just, this is just a hypothetical, but like, you know, uh, tomato farming in some South American country, right. Kind of lends itself to more of a conducive uh, context for forced labor than, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't think of another one that wouldn't, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. yeah. There's certain contexts. I mean, like within, uh, as an example, I, I think I mentioned shrimp farming, yeah. uh, you know, um, it's not so much the shrimp farming itself because that happens on land, but the feed base, mm. um, you're talking about something that's super low value commodity. Uh, so lots of pressure in terms of margin. And at the same time, uh, mm. a lot of the, the locales where that's happening, where the, the feed is being sourced, um, th- there's various conditions that are enabling that to happen. Yeah. And so uh, there's various documentaries that have taken place like Seaspiracy um, that have pointed these things out. Okay. And, and again, they're not invalid. Right. Those things uh, can happen, and therefore that's all the more reason why we need to understand where exactly yeah. our product comes from, where exactly that feed source is, right. all the different elements to where we can say unequivocally, the product that, that I'm providing as a brand, whatever right. that brand is, uh, is is not a part of this problem. Yeah, and you can actually say that with assurance um, because you know, well, they can hire companies like you <laughs> to make sure, sure that. We do that's, what we do. So, what? Why is there such a lack of awareness on this? Because, like, I, you know, in preparing for this podcast, um, you know, we've known each other for a few years. I've kind of had a, an idea about what you do, but really, in truth, you know, I, I work in anti trafficking work literally every single day. I, I know you, and I know what you do. Um, but it still feels like there's like this severe lack of awareness, even for myself, who I would count myself a little bit aware. Yeah. Um, so why why is that? Why do, why is there such a lack of awareness in the general population? I mean, there's a number of reasons. Obviously, it's it's probably you know uh, a number of reasons we could probably get into, but. I think it's almost because the problem itself is a bit of a novelty hmm. where I see it and then it quickly goes away and I'm just like the goldfish that's like, oh, shiny object. Yeah. And I'm just on to the next thing. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you a quick example. I spoke two years ago at South by Southwest oh, and wow. I gave the whole spiel that, I'm, that I just now gave, like I was talking all about what we do yeah. and everything else. And then here's the question that came from the audience is, uh, so once all this is in place, will we be able to buy our products for cheaper? Yeah. And I was like, well, I hope not. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I actually hope that if there are savings that occur as a result of yeah. having greater technology in these supply chains, they're actually kicking those savings along to, to the, the people, people who need it. Right. Right. right and right. not us who maybe don't need to save another 30 cents on our shrimp. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think part of it is we just get so quickly consumed by what, what are some other issues that tend to matter us matter mm. to us at that moment yeah. that we lose sight of, geez, I mean, behind this is a real human. Yeah, right. So I also wonder, too, if it's like with many other issues, it's, it's a little bit like just out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Like if we have shrimp for dinner tonight, I kind of don't care where it comes from because it tastes good to me and I'm going to be full at the end of the meal. <laughs> right? And so it's almost like uh, the, the phrase that keeps coming to mind is like a victimless crime. Uh, that's probably not the right analogy, but something like, like it doesn't harm me. 
Or at least I don't know that it's harming me. Right. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is, that, I mean, that's the issue is we're, we're, we're far removed from the actual crime, but it's mm-hmm. not victimless. Yeah, absolutely. Right? There's you're you're two steps removed. You didn't commit it, maybe. Right. But if, if, if you're buying from a source who's buying from a source that's enabling it, then There's a where do we sit? Com- yeah, I'm, I am complicit then, yeah. aren't I? I mean, yeah. even if it's ignorantly, yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a break in the podcast. When we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation with Jason. Um, and I'm going to kind of get him to, to answer the question of like, where is this going? Um, and is this going to work? Uh, and then get him to offer some practical solutions on what we can do uh, to make sure we're not complicit, like I just talked about. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. Take a second and think about how many subscription services you have. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify. If you're like me, you have more than you actually use. That money just disappears out of your bank account, or maybe you don't even use the product anymore. So why not donate that same amount of money to Elijah Rising and know that every dollar you spend directly serves those who are overcoming sex trafficking. We invite you to join The Rise. The Rise is a dedicated community of recurring donors who give strategically to fund the work of ending sex trafficking. Join our community of more than 200 members who have decided to rise up. $10 a month can provide services for women seeking to exit exploitation. $40 a month can provide job training and employment for an overcomer of trafficking. Donate online via credit card, debit, ACH, or Apple and Google Pay at ElijahRising.org slash rise. Hey, welcome back. So Jason, where, where is this going? Because this, this sounds like incredibly important work. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of mentioned in the first half at one point, it's like, it's kind of like a perfect timing type deal as technology advances and, and you're able to trace more and, you know, just even the satellite thing that you were talking about before. Um, it's like, where's this going? Are more and more companies, U.S. companies, international companies caring about this? And there's a multifaceted question for you, but like, and is there a day that you envision where all supply chains are traceable and ethical? Yes. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, where's this going? Um, right now, it is a nice-to-have and a novelty to have traceability in your supply chain. Mm. You, can, you can talk about it, and, it's, um, and part of that is just mm. that it, it's, it is unusual. Yeah. You know, novelty is a novelty because we don't expect sure. it. We, it's, it's unusual for that brand to have it. Sure. Um, more and more, it's going to become an expectation. Uh, here's what's leading to that is one, mm. consumer demand is happening where I don't just need to know that I'm buying. a. I need to know certain elements about this product to feel good about buying it in yeah. the first place. Yeah. And it's beyond just I like this and I feel good about it more, but more like I require and I won't buy it until. Um, beyond that, brands care. Yeah. More and more. I mean, brands are leading the way of saying, look, it's not, maybe my customer isn't demanding it now, but we know that my customer is going to demand it in five years. Yeah. And so we're going to start it now, or we're going to be in trouble in five years. Gotcha. And, and part of that is because investors are starting to demand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's right now, there's different uh, lawsuits that are occurring because of different ESG claims that have happened. ESG meaning yeah. environmental, social, and governance claims that are being made by brands that, um, that that don't have any backing, right? Yeah, and so yeah. you know, investors want to know where are the risks that I don't know about. And so again, these things are all converging. But then also regulators. Hmm. Um, you know, one example is the um, uh, the FDA. You know, the Food and Drug Administration. They they have the the um, it's called FISMA, the okay. Food Safety Modernization Act. 
And part of that Rule 204, which be, is being kind of decided upon right now, is saying that for all these high-risk food categories like seafood, like leafy greens, they're going to require traceability back to the farmer boat. Wow. Um, now, that's not going to be all food, but some food. But as soon as consumers get... I mean, if you told your average consumer, yeah. actually, yeah, we have no idea where the fish came from. Right. right. If you said that, if <laughs> that would were your freak marketing, them out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <clears throat> so, so the same thing goes for once you start saying, well, here's all the things that, you know, here, we know where all this comes from. Yeah. Uh, it's going to suggest, well, what about these things over here, you know, the, the, that are not on the, the FISMA Rule 204 list? You're going to start asking start the hard questions about all yeah. the products. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, too, um, as more of these technologies come online, there's operational efficiencies that can be gained, hmm. right? Half of what we take out of the ocean right now, we throw away. Wow. Right? Um, Best Buy dates are actually more of a guess yeah. at this moment. They're, they're not based upon, they're not evidence-based, they're risk-based. Hmm. And so what they're doing is they're, they're saying, like, th- there's, there's a risk here, and so, you know, on average, we're going to be safe if we say that it's within this date that it's consumed. Well, that means that you're going cons- to you're gonna throw things away a lot sooner. Throw it away maybe three months before you should or, or something whatever. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so depending on the, the product, it can mean a big difference between what you throw away and what you keep. Yeah. And that's one of many different issues where more information within a supply chain can actually lead to operational efficiencies, at which point people are just going to want to have it. Just Brands it are going to require it because yeah. I can be less wasteful. Yeah, everybody kind of wins in that scenario. So it really sounds like you have you have the market, like well, you have cu- the customer base that's maybe becoming more aware and caring more, right? I mean, we know social impact is important. I mean, we're just just turn on any TV station and watch the commercials, right? Almost every company has some social impact, you know thing that they're doing and then you've got what you're saying you've also got just like the actual companies themselves trying to mitigate risk and maybe even create some uh get uh make more money right because you're less waste but then you're also saying that like governments are stepping in and regulators are stepping in to say okay we need to do this while that's on a small scale will almost certainly go to a bigger scale correct so it's kind of convergence of like the supply the demand and the regulation are all kind of going in the same direction correct yeah yeah um, well, it sounds like you're in a good place to be with your companies then. <laughs> yeah, the, I think that the, the key, though, that we need to think about is, uh, you know, 20 years from now is not good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're talking yeah. about something like forced labor. Right? Yeah, right. And so, right. like, how do, we, how do we push that along today? Even quicker. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, that's great. Um, so we run a social enterprise at Elijah Rising. Um, my colleague Sam has done such an exceptional job creating it and getting it off the ground. And Chelsea is running it just exceptionally well now. Um, and I know that this is something that they think about all the time. Um, and really like just trying to figure out, and it's hard work, it's not easy work, like figuring out where their raw materials are coming from, are they traceable? Um, and I just, I hear them, I'm not involved in that work, but I hear them talk about that. Yeah. I mean, just like all the time. So I wonder, um, and I know that we have some other social enterprises that are listeners of this podcast. So I wonder if you could just offer some wisdom, maybe even some insight and advice. Like what, um, what would you have to say to them as they're trying to like, you know, limit palm oil or whatever, whatever they do. Yeah. Uh, you know, something I've said in the past, um, is that you know good brands they avoid problematic supply chains and great brands actually engage in them yeah and they do so in order to create um, solutions to these problems in those supply chains yeah. so uh, you know where there is the potential of a problem 
if we just pull out, hmm. then what that's going to do, th- th- this problem's still going to exist there. Right? Well, you, can't, you can't change a system you're not a part of, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of just tell people we can't kind of bring a light unless we enter a dark room, hmm. right? And so what I would suggest to social enterprises is lead the way. Don't hmm. be... Uh, there's plenty of brands. What they're doing right now is a combination of greenwash and avoidance. Uh, it's like you, greenwash, yeah, greenwash first to say, here's all the great things we're doing. And here's how we're, how we're amazing. And avoidance to say, let's just make sure we're not a part of that, please. Yeah. And, and the better thing to do, I think, as a brand is, is real leadership, which is to say, mm. there's a problem here. There's deforestation happening. We could pull out and go to a completely different country in our sourcing, or we can actually engage in that location and make sure that the, that, the raw materials that we're purchasing are not contributing to that deforestation. Yeah, interesting. And so that gives livelihoods, it gives incentives in order to not be a part of the problem. Yeah. But if we just leave, that means we just leave all the dirt bags there to yeah. create greater incentives to where it's the expectation yeah. that there will only be the problem. Yeah. So, yeah, social enterprises need to be those leaders. I mean, you, but you can look at big brands too, and of course they have economies of scale that allow them mm-hmm. to do that even better. But, you know, you look at the Unilevers in the world and others, they're actually taking measures to, to step forward and, and lead in those scenarios. And I can, yeah. I can name a number of different brands in that, yeah. um, including some that we work with. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I would just say for a social enterprise, pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, take the extra time. It does take more time. Yeah. But good things take time. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like a, like a responsibility, especially for those of us who are doing the anti-trafficking work. It's like, are we going to sell a, project, a product that we'd rather just not know if there's forced labor involved in? Or like, would we, would we rather take the time to investigate and figure that out? But that is hard work, man. I mean, like, what advice would you have to them? To like, how do you do that work? Like, how do you find out if your product is, is traceable, sustainable, if there is forced labor involved? Yeah. Any suggestions? I mean, the fact is, if you're, if you're like a social enterprise and you're on the smaller end, if you're not at the scale where you yeah. can demand all the way back to the source right. information or like you control certain farms or whatever it is for the raw material inputs, uh, what you can do is look for those suppliers who are comfortable telling you more about it. And they okay. are out there yeah. because we work with them, right? Yeah. And, th- and there are some that they are exist. doing the right thing. They absolutely exist. You just have to look and find them. Mm. So you, you can't just take the first thing that comes off of whatever website that the you just searched. Thing that or comes. the cheapest and just do it. Yeah. You need to ask some really critical questions. Yeah. And by asking those questions, I mean, it's just it starts you down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And it's a good one to know more about for an a number of different reasons. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of the reason why the COVID supply chain disasters happen is because people didn't know about their supply chains. Yeah. It's like for the first time we realized, oh, wow, toilet paper might not be on shelves. It's, what happened there? Yeah, you're right, you know? right, right. There, there's a first mile somewhere that I didn't know about. Because we didn't ask any questions, right? Yeah, and so yeah. the same thing needs to happen now. And it's like what happens is the, the crisis goes away and we're like, good, we're all safe. Let's go back to business as usual. Right. And we can't, right? And so we've yeah. got to use that as an example to say we're going to ask b- bigger questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what the smart brands have done. I mean, COVID, in many ways, it, you know, exacerbated the effect yeah. of, of brands having an awareness that they've got to have this information. Yeah. So. Yeah, and all the more reason for us to do it in, in terms of organizations that are focused on social justice. And um, So what about the audience, right? So there's a whole other you know, segment of our audience that they're not running social enterprises. They're not you know, doing manufacturing of any kind. What can the average citizen who's just buying groceries and clothing and whatever else, right, um, how can we do a better job? How can we be a more informed and more conscientious consumer? Yeah, so 
One is to pay attention. Yeah. You know, one is to dig a little bit deeper into the brands that we're buying from, find those brands and reward them mm. for taking the time and do and going through the extra expense yeah. uh, to go each and every mile in that yeah. supply chain, right? And and that's where uh, again, we've got to reward those brands if we want them to do it, right? Mm. And so, uh, in addition to that, though, um, be willing to pay more. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if you want, I mean, part of the problem here is that we have created a circumstance where the commodities that come to make our products, they're so tightly squeezed mm. that you cannot expect people not to cut corners. Yeah, the margins are so tight. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes those corners can be. Uh, I mean, they can be, they can have to do with your own safety, yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, the amount of shrimp that comes into this country that is dipped in sodium tripolyphosphates first, because it means that they can gain more water weight yeah. and therefore you're going to be consuming that. Um, you know, it's a lot. And, and, and again, that's, that's a problem. But again, those same supply chains, the reason they're doing that is they're also cutting other corners and you have mm. to ask yourself, what corners are they cutting? Yeah. So, you know, can you, and that's just one of a, huge, you know, group of examples, but, you know, with, with our clothing, with, uh, you know, just everything we see around us, we need to be willing to pay more. And particularly in certain areas where these supply chains are getting squeezed so much that again, I'm not at all excusing it. I'm just saying that we are causing a situation where people are cutting corners and then we're like, why are you cutting corners? Right. Well, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and we we kind of we champion cheaper brands, you know, affordability yeah. over ethics. Yeah, <laughs> I guess is a simple yeah. way to say. He paid three bucks for a shirt. Do the math. Right. How does that work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I guess it is just a little bit of critical thinking too, because it's like, okay, how many people do I think it actually took? How many people were involved in getting this shirt onto my back? Yeah. Is it really one person who might be making a dollar? Yeah. Or could it be fifty people who are making you know almost nothing and. And in some cases, absolutely nothing. Um, so, Jason, I, I appreciate uh, this conversation so much. It's a very different conversation than we're used to having on the podcast, but I think it's so critically important because one of the ways we talk about um, being good advocates in this in this anti trafficking space is like we have to understand the intersectionality of all the different things that create vulnerabilities. Um, and that's what you're doing. You're, you're just doing it from um, a very, I would say, high level. Um, but it, it, in some ways, it's like the most basic. Ground level, that's Ground what you want to be, right? First exactly. mile. <laughs> exactly, that first mile. So uh, is there anything you know you, you, wanna, you want the audience to hear that I haven't already asked or anything you think that is it's important that I haven't already kind of um, yeah, asked or communicated? No, I mean, I, I think this is a very important conversation. I'm, I'm yeah. grateful to be part of it. So Yeah, well, we appreciate you. So how can, um, if the listeners want to know more about you or your companies, where can they find you and how can they support your work? Yeah, so uh, if you want to just check out our websites, um, uh, Invisible, spelled with an E, invisible.co, and wholechain.com. Okay, and we'll put those in the show notes, of course, as usual. Jason, um, thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, thank you to you and your wife for opening your home for this uh, on-the-road recording of the Elijah Rising podcast. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at ElijahRising.org donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.